Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Dave, and this is the Chase to Summit Trail Talk podcast, where it's kind of like you're out on a trail run with me, and I'm talking, and I won't shut up, but I have a microphone, and you don't, so you're going to have to deal with it. That's fun, right? So if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you may know that I typically post weekly, and I have taken a quick hiatus from both this podcast and YouTube. And that's for a good reason. Although I should have announced it before I took a quick hiatus. I probably just like tanked my YouTube channel, but it is what it is. I had to do what I did. And that's for a couple of reasons. If you've been following on the podcast, you've heard me talk about how we were going to be moving into a new house. And that happened. I'm actually sitting in my new home uh, right now, talking into this microphone. And it's kind of funny. We've got this like walk up attic area that's huge it's probably 50 feet long and like 20 feet wide i can't convert it for to metric for you metric folks out there Uh, but it's a big space and eventually this space will become my new youtube studio and podcast studio and all those things like creative space up here in the attic Uh, but right now it's completely unfinished so to paint a picture of where i'm sitting i am uh, on a plywood floor The only thing in this room is a tiny table with my laptop on it. I've got my microphone. I'm sitting on a chair that I brought up from the basement that's actually like a lawn chair. (laughs) And that is really it. This room is completely empty. The walls are lined with this uh, tinfoil reflective insulation. And some of the walls are fiberglass. It's just very raw up here. However, I will say it's really helping my audio quality. The audio quality in this attic is top notch. It's totally dead because it's essentially all insulation around me and there's no echo at all. So maybe that'll that'll help the podcast. But the air quality, <laughs> the air quality is not great because of all this fiberglass around me. They've got plastic over it and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit dry. I feel like I, uh, I've inhaled some chalk, uh, but we'll get through this. We'll get through this. So apologies to those regular listeners out there. If you're wondering where I've been, if you've been wondering where I've been, you know, why I've been not posting on YouTube, uh, why I haven't been updating the podcast, that is why I had to take a break. There was the process of actually moving, you know, all of our stuff from my wife's parents' house where we've been living for the past few months while this house was being built. We had to move all that here. We had to empty some storage units. And then there was like, all the projects I had to hang up like 13 sets of shades and blinds, uh, you know, the home security stuff, the cameras, there are so many things. And I just get, you know, me, I'm obsessive. And when I focus on something, I become laser focused on completing tasks and checking off, uh, you know, checking off lists and stuff. And yeah, so I can only focus on one thing at a time, which is why I took a little bit of a break. Um, but, but that's, that's, that's the intro here. Just apologies. Thanks for sticking around. I hope uh, the regular regular listeners out there are still listening. And with that, I do want to thank the continued support from the Patreon members out there and the YouTube members. You know who you are. Uh, There's people that have been supporting me on Patreon for like a year now, and it's so awesome. I've, I've had the privilege of meeting a few of you in person at races and stuff, just, you know, it's a really awesome vibe. It's a great community and it means a lot to me 
to know that you want to contribute a couple of bucks every month to keep me doing this thing that I'm doing. So if you want to uh, become a Patreon member or YouTube member, check out the link at the bottom of the show notes that says support this podcast. That goes a long way with me. Okay, so quick update on what's going on with me. Other than moving, um, <laughs> this time of year, I get, I, I don't know about you, but this time of year, I'm susceptible to the dreaded uh, seasonal depression. So this time of year, it's getting cold here in New England. Uh, yesterday at the bus stop with my kids, it was 19 degrees Fahrenheit. And everything's frozen. Things are starting to die. The grass, you know, the trees, everything's turning brown, getting ready to go dormant for the next few months until spring. And this time of year, I, I you know, all summer, I'm like, it's not going to happen this year, Dave. You're going to... You're going to keep a positive attitude and you're just going to get through it. But every year I get seasonal depression and uh, it makes me sad that it's not warm out. I like running in warm weather and one would argue, Dave, why don't you just move to somewhere warm? Well, that's not really an option. So uh, here in New England, it gets cold, it gets snowy, and I try to make the best of it by pivoting. And instead of running every day, I try to get into my skiing uh, hobby, uh, cross-country skiing, backcountry skiing, you know, skinning uphill, skiing downhill, and resort skiing, of course. And on top of that, I also try to get back into my climbing hobby, which if you don't know, I a few years ago, I got really heavy into ice climbing. Uh, I started leading. I could lead up to Water Ice 3. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. Uh, that's all to say I, I became very obsessed with it. And winter actually became... Uh, fun, you know, when you have all these winter activities like skiing and ice climbing, winter isn't so depressing anymore because you have something to do. But uh, for the past couple of years, I feel like, you know, the pandemic and everything kind of slowed that all down. And now I'm kind of out of the loop. So this year, I've been trying to make a vow to myself to get back into all the winter hobbies. And it's starting to happen. People are starting to ice climb up here in the Northeast, uh, in New Hampshire and Maine. I've been seeing posts of people's first descents on on big climbs. Um, and, you know, it's got me thinking. I've been dusting off all my my outdoor gear bins from the storage unit. And, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just rambling on because it's, uh, you know, seasonal depression's tough. And I'm sure a lot of you battle that even in warmer climates, when it gets a little bit cooler, it, it's, it's frustrating because on a warm day in the summer, I simply just put my shoes and shorts on and go out the door. But on a cold day, you're like, oh, is it 30? Ugh, that might be t-shirt weather. Oh, is it, is it 10 degrees Fahrenheit? Oh, that's definitely a couple of layers. Like there's so much more thought that has to go into it. And I feel like a baby because my wife, my wife, Jen, has been running every morning at like four o'clock in the morning outside in the cold and she doesn't even complain about it and here i am on a podcast with a microphone in my face complaining about it anyways uh that's all to say that my training hasn't been great lately i've been you know struggling to hit like 20 miles a week because i'm moving because the weather has been cold there's a lot of projects going on the kids have a lot of things going on so my my fitness my training just not great and then on top of that, like the content creation side of things, I feel like I've been getting a little bit burned out uh, because in YouTube, I, I don't know if you followed along, but last month in October, I put out like 12 videos or something. And it's so much work. 
let me you know preface this by saying I love it. <laughs> it is my absolute favorite favorite thing to do. YouTube, making videos, making these podcasts. It's my hobby. It's my passion. I love doing it. I hope they're actually they're fun to listen to and watch. That's my hope. But even if they're not, I'm still going to make them because I enjoy doing it. So if I didn't enjoy doing it, I wouldn't do it. That said, they're a lot of work, man. Like one YouTube video can be, I don't know, four hours of editing sometimes, five hours, two hours of filming, testing the stuff in the woods, the GoPro footage. You know, it's a lot of work. And if you multiply that times 12 videos in one month, that's, that's a lot, you know? And then on top of that, I do have a real job. Um, so, it, it, you know, I don't want to complain because I, like I said, it is my fun thing. It's my hobby. But I do think I went a little too hard in October with the Apple Watch event and doing a lot of follow-up videos on that. And they were a ton of fun and well-received. And, um, you know, it's great to see the engagement and the feedback. But I do think I, I just did a little bit too much. So it's actually been nice to be kind of distracted by the house for the past few weeks and have a reason not to work on videos and stuff. Um, and it's been kind of a good like mental reset. I think now getting back into it, I'm going to come at thing, things with a new perspective, maybe a little bit fresher. And hopefully that that resonates through the videos and, and it's obvious. Um, so yeah, that's the burnout side of things. <laughs> I'm just going to continue to bitch about my life through the first 10 minutes of this podcast. I hope you enjoy that. Okay, so uh, let's pivot. Let's talk about racing. I do have another race on the calendar this year, which is kind of daunting. So in a couple of weeks, this is going to be crazy. My schedule is going to be a little bit crazy. So in two weeks, I'm actually traveling for work. I'm going to Texas for my real job. I'll be there for a week. Um on site doing my mechanical engineering thing. And then after that, I'll be flying back to Boston and I have a race two days after my return flight home, which is near Boston. It's in a town called Stoneham. You probably don't know what that is if you don't live around here, but you can Google it. It's called the Tark Winter Classic, T-A-R-C. And Tark stands for Trail Animals Running Club. And if you follow me on YouTube and watch my race videos, You've probably seen this mentioned before. Tark is like a local Boston running club that I've kind of become part of just by going to their races. Uh, really awesome vibe, super cheap entry. Uh, so it's like $28 to get to get into the race. And it's like potluck. You bring candy or a snack and they leave it out on a banquet table. And the format of this race is it's a 50K or 40 miles. So you can choose which distance you want to do. And it's at this area called the Middlesex Fells Reserva Reservation, which is about 15 minutes north of Boston. And this area is actually surprisingly rugged. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of like sharp rocks and terrain that's pretty tough. And it's, it's actually a pretty challenging area. And most of the locals around here go to the Middlesex Fells for this challenging terrain because it's really good training grounds for like mountain endeavors. If you're planning on doing some mountain trail runs and stuff and you don't have time to drive all the way to the mountains because they're about two hours away, the Middlesex Fells is local and it, it bears a good representation of mountain terrain. So the format of this is a 50K or 40 miler. 
the uh, the the trail is called the Skyline Trail. It's a big circle. It's about eight miles long. So you can either do it four four times, four loops, or you do it five five loops to get to forty miles. Uh, the starting line and the halfway point both have eight stations. And I tell you, the volunteers at these races are so amazing. They always have uh, big smiles on their faces. They're cheering you on. And fun fact, the Tark Winter Classic was actually my first 50K ever. Um, when I first got into ultra running, I googled local 50Ks. And it was the closest one near me. So I signed up. And I got hooked after that because of how awesome everybody was in the volunteers and everything. So, yeah, uh, that's what's coming up with me on the calendar in terms of racing. Okay, now that we're about 13 minutes into this podcast, it's time for some news. And that's probably what you came here for, but I like to ramble. So deal with it. First up in the news, I want to talk about uh, some ultra running news. I, if you don't care, I'm sorry. So Camille Heron... Uh, she's a female, uh, amazing ultra marathon runner. I had the privilege of actually seeing and meeting her at the Western States 100 this past uh, June when I was out there with Hoka. She's a Hoka-sponsored athlete, and she actually just ran a 100-mile world record time. Now, this is pretty controversial because she was at this race, and she ran 100 miles in 12 hours in 42 minutes, which became a world record for her. And she actually beat her previous world record, which she set in 2017. So the race that she ran this time at was at the Jackpot Ultra Running Festival in Henderson, Nevada. This happened uh, back in February, I believe. Yes. And so at the time, Camille thought she broke her world world record in 12 hours and 41 minutes. She actually placed uh, second place overall, beating the second place male by 30 minutes, which is kind of unheard of. Um, you know, usually the the top women uh, come in after like, you know, third or fourth male, but she was right up there in the leader pack, really incredible. Um, so at the time, she, she thought she broke the world record, but after the fact, the race commission actually remeasured the course and her the the course was actually 700 feet short of the 100 mile distance so because of this they've actually pulled that world record time away from Camille Heron she's posted about this pub publicly already she's very frustrated on you know obviously this is no fault of hers she didn't do anything wrong she didn't course cut or anything like that simply they remeasured the course and find out it wasn't truly 100 miles and i i don't know how i feel about this because really if you do the math right 700 feet over 100 miles is like nothing that's like 0.1 what is that 0.13 miles it's like an eighth not even an eighth of a mile and that's over a hundred miles and, and they're going to pull this away from her. I don't, you know, like, I guess I'm not like a rule stickler and obviously I'm not an elite athlete, so I don't know how I can even chime in on this, but from my perspective, just give it to her. Like how fast can she run an eighth of a mile? Just add that to her time and she would still get the world record. Ah. Uh, that's just super frustrating. And I'm not even involved with this, but I, I can't even imagine how frustrating she would be in this situation. Now, to give you some context, 
that 12.42 time is an average pace of 7 minutes and 37 7 minutes and 37 seconds per mile for 100 miles. That is just totally crazy. So, I don't know, Camille, if you're listening to this, you're not. But if you are by chance, I give you I give you the world record. That it counts in my book. I don't care if you got it pulled away from you. It's it's total BS that they that they're doing this in you know, if if it was like a couple thousand feet, I'd be like, ah, okay, maybe. But like 700 feet is almost nothing over the course of 100, 100 miles. Okay, with my quick ultramarathon running rant out of the way, let's get into a little bit of the fitness tech news this week. So first up, we've got some news from Fitbit. So the Fitbit Sense 2 in Versa 4 came out a few months ago. I, I've had them. I haven't made any videos about them. But they are interesting. They've got some unique features. They've got a pretty compelling price point. However, Fitbit just added a couple of new features in a firmware update to the Sense2 in Versa 4. And probably the biggest feature that they added is calling through the device itself, phone calls. So if you don't know, the Sense2 in Versa 4 both have microphones on board and they also have speakers on board. So you would think out of the box, they would take and make phone calls just like something, you know, like the Garmin uh, Venue 2 Plus or some of the Amazfit GTR4 watches or, uh, you know, any any microphone and speaker-enabled watch typically can make and take phone calls when you have your phone, phone nearby. Now, out of the box, Fitbit didn't give these watches this feature, but as of this latest firmware update, you can now do this. It actually does support using the microphone and speaker to make phone calls. Pretty cool. I haven't had the chance to test this out. I actually just read this on a blog from 9to5Mac, or no, via 9to5Google. I thought it was 9to5Mac. It's actually 9to5Google, but it is pretty interesting. And if you have one of these Fitbit watches, it's a nice update and worth checking out. So check it out if you got one. Next up in the news are a couple of new devices that I've been testing and I've been working on videos on, but they haven't come out yet. So first up, we've got the new Polar Ignite 3. And I'm sure if you're interested in Polar devices, you've seen videos from the other YouTubers out there. Everybody made a video, except for me. Sorry about that. However, I have the device. I've actually been testing it for well over a month now. So I've got a lot of experience with it. A lot of test data, a lot of test runs. And it's a really unique device. So the Polar Ignite 3 comes in at 329 US dollars. And at that price point, it's got a really interesting feature in that it is dual band, multi-band GPS enabled. And there's really no other watch on the market at that price point that is multi-band GNSS enabled. Unless you look at something like some of the Amazfit watches, which I think the GTR4 is. Uh, But this one in particular has that feature, which is nice. It also has a really nice AMOLED touch-enabled display. It's got a great form factor. The price is right. And they made some good updates in the software. However, I do have some issues with the the Ignite 3. And I'll go into more detail about this when I actually make my full in-depth review about this watch, which I'm planning on filming either today or this weekend. So stay tuned on the YouTube channel for that. Um, First of all, the GPS accuracy on the Ignite 3 in my testing so far hasn't been great, which I thought was pretty pretty odd because of the fact it does have multi-band GPS mode. 
And if you don't know, multiband GPS mode is kind of the gold standard when it comes to GPS watches. So like the Garmin Phoenix 7, the Vertix 2, the Epix, uh, you know, a lot of these watches coming out right now, it seems like everything has to have multiband mode in order for it to be a new device. So it's good that they added it, but the GPS tracks I'm getting are just not great, which is strange. Uh, another really odd thing about the Ignite 3 is I'm getting a lot of lag in the menu system. So things like pulling up my phone notifications or swiping in between widgets or even like hitting the button on the watch to get back to my home screen or the watch face can take like a couple of seconds and it feels feels very odd and a little bit dated. And it's strange because Polar actually in their marketing documentation say they, they've upped the CPU and GPU power of the watch to make it more fluid and seamless. And in some regards it did like doing certain actions, it's actually very smooth. It feels very like Apple Watch like, but then doing other actions, very specific actions like pulling up notifications, there's a, a lot of lag and I just don't like that. I don't know if it's a firmware thing. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it'll get better over time, but right now it's the lag alone drives me crazy. And I'll talk about more in, in the video, but yeah, that's the, the Polar Ignite 3. The other watch I've been testing out, I've actually got on my wrist at this very moment, is the new Garmin Instinct crossover. And I wish, you know, I've been, I'm still behind on all the content stuff I'm supposed to be making, but I've got a lot to say about the Instinct crossover. If you don't know, I'm sure you've seen videos from like DC Rainmaker and Desfit, uh, but the, the Garmin Instinct crossover is essentially a Garmin Instinct 2, which came out a while ago, which is kind of a rugged military utilitarian kind of watch, kind of looks like a G-Shock kind of watch. Uh, but what they added to it is physical watch hands. So inside the display of the watch, there's real mechanical watch hands that move to give you an indication of the time of day. In, you know, at first when I heard about this and saw the marketing material, I thought it was a little gimmicky. Like, they're just going to get in the way. Why would you want that? I'm, you know, I'm kind of all digital, all utility. I don't care about physical watch hands. But after wearing this thing for the past couple of weeks, it is super cool. There's some level of like nerdy gadgetry goodness to it that just makes it fun to wear. They, the watch hands are really, it's, it makes the watch look a lot more classy. It, it blends in a lot better in a professional environment, even though it's a plastic watch, it's not like a Phoenix or anything. Although it would be super cool to see like a Phoenix seven with like metal watch hands. Maybe that's coming like a Phoenix seven crossover. That would be, that would be super cool. Maybe they'll do that. Anyways, the watch hands have a really cool effect on the look and feel aesthetics of the, the instinct crossover. Um, another thing that's interesting about it is they like gave it this like 3d look to it. So there's like the glass, the gorilla glass layer on top. Then below that, there's like a bezel that's under the glass. And then there's like iridescent numbers that glow in the dark around the perimeter. And then below that is the digital display. And then on top of the digital display are those physical hands. So it kind of gives it this like diorama kind of 3D effect when you look at the watch. It's super cool. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, on paper, 
I thought it was a bit of a gadget in person. It is, it feels like a proper timepiece and I kind of like it. I kind of like what they did here. And honestly, I think it was a good move with what Garmin did because I think a lot of people who bought Garmin Instinct watches were drawn to it for the aesthetics, the look, the sort of like G-Shock nostalgia that comes with that. But now you get those physical watch hands to even bring that one level further. So I think all you Instinct uh, nerds out there are really going to appreciate the crossover. So what other than the the new, you know, watch physical watch hands, the Instinct crossover is essentially an Instinct 2, but there are a couple of updates other than the watch hands. They added the new GPS chip that's available on the Garmin Phoenix 7, the Garmin SQ2, uh, the 255, the 955, that GPS chip with all systems enabled, which gives it much better GPS accuracy, which I can attest to in my testing. It works great. Um, good GPS accuracy all around. It's not multi-band enabled like the Garmin Phoenix 7, but it does have all systems, which is really good. Now, the really cool thing about the Instinct crossover is you would think the watch hands would get in the way of using the watch because the display is actually under the watch hands, but that's not the case. So what they've done is very clever. When you cycle through different menus, like for instance, if you go to the weather page where you have a five-day forecast and you know you have vertical columns for your weather going across the screen what they do is they actually take the physical hands and just make them go vertical so the the minute hand is up at the 12 and the the hour hand is facing down at the six and by doing that it just gets out of the way of viewing the weather another example of this is if you go to your body battery or a or a horizontal graph it'll actually flip the watch hands horizontal. So instead of going vertical from 12 to six, it's now going uh, the other way, perpendicular to that. So it just gets out of the way. And it does this in every different screen. Every time you switch a screen, the watch hands will move to get out of the way of whatever data you're trying to view. This all is, also plays a role when you're in an activity. If you've got you know, three data fields or four data fields, it'll move the hands out of the way in such a way so you can actually view your data. And actually a really interesting use case of these physical hands is when you're in an activity in looking at a heart rate graph. So if you're looking at the heart rate zone graph, which is kind of like a speedometer, right? You've got a needle that kind of moves to show you where your heart rate is on a gauge. Um, they'll actually use the physical hands of the watch to, to aim the hand at the zone that you're in. So the mechanical hands will actually move depending on your heart rate. It's a lot of fun. I don't know what else to say about it. I like what they did here. However, it is a little bit expensive for the for the highest end end solar model. You're looking at five hundred bucks, uh, and, and you know for at that price point, you're looking at you're comparing that to something like the Garmin Foreigner nine fifty five, which has more features. You got mapping, you got dual multi band uh, GNSS. So there are more features there for the same exact amount of money, but you don't get that that. Journal so say quoi that that certain something that gives it a, a different vibe. So that is the instinct crossover and what I think about it so far. Again, I will have a full YouTube video about all of these devices I'm talking about now. Uh, but for now, these are my quick, you know, couple minute reviews of each one of these watches because I haven't made videos about them, and hopefully this is helpful. Okay. 
Now, I just want to talk briefly about some uh, Black Friday deals I've seen floating around. So, if you're in the market for a new fitness tech wearable watch type thing, now is probably the time to do it. Um, There's a lot of Black Friday deals already happening and Cyber Week deals. It seems like Black Friday isn't so much of a like one-day thing anymore. It's like a one-week or two-week thing now. So if you're in the market, go check it out. I'll I'll just briefly talk about some notable sales I've seen so far. Uh, first up, the Garmin Phoenix 6 and 6X and, you know, the 6 Series, including the Enduro 1. I've seen them on some killer deals uh, as low as like 300 bucks for some variations. Uh, go check out the links in the show notes because... They're always changing, but if you're interested, you know, solid watches, they still have mapping and navigation and, uh, you know, body battery and all that stuff. They just don't have all of the new stuff like the Phoenix 7 with its multi-band GPS and everything. Uh, another area where I've seen a lot of sales are actually on Apple products. So the other day, I noticed the Apple Watch Ultra was on sale, which is interesting. I didn't think I'd see that happen. It wasn't a huge sale, but it was like, 30 bucks off on Amazon. And on top of that, I also saw the new Apple AirPods Pro 2s on sale uh, at their lowest price yet since launch. And I got to tell you, those earbuds have become uh, my favorite. I use them every day now. I use them in bed to listen to podcasts. I use them for editing videos and stuff. I don't really use them for running because they do tend to uh, wiggle in my ear a little bit. I still use the Beats Fit Pro for running. But The Apple AirPod Pro 2s are amazing. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or a MacBook, they just work so well. So highly recommended. And they're on a pretty good deal right now on Amazon as well. Again, links in the show notes. And I'm not going to ramble on and on about sales and Black Friday stuff in this podcast, but I do want to let you know that on Black Friday, which is only a few days from now, I will be going live on YouTube uh, I'll just be going through some of the sales that I'm finding and talking with the viewers in the, in real time, live, um, in, in the live chat, taking questions, talking about sales and deals, uh, doing all that fun stuff. I'm going to schedule that right after this podcast. I'll put up the, the thing on YouTube so everybody can find out about it. But if you're a, if you're a podcast listener, I would love it if you could join me on Black Friday, carve some time out of your busy shopping schedule to uh, hang out with me on YouTube. And if I can, if I'm forward thinking enough, I'll drop that link to YouTube live in the show notes of this podcast. So yeah, check it out on Friday. I don't know the time yet, probably around uh, noon here in the Eastern time zone. I don't know what that is for you, but I'll figure that all out and I'll, I'll drop it in the show notes. So join me. Okay, and now it's time. We're 31 minutes into this podcast for our questions and answers Q&A of the week. So if you don't know what this segment is, every time I post a podcast, I go over on Instagram and I drop one of those stories where you can actually fill in a question for me to answer. And what I do is I take all these questions, I put them up on my phone in my hand at this very moment. There's actually still questions coming in because I've I posted the story a couple of hours ago and I answer them live on the air with no pre-planning or, or anything. And I think it's kind of fun. Hopefully you enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, let me know, shoot me a DM or something. Also, if you want to become part of this and have your question answered and featured on the podcast, follow me on Instagram 
Again, that'll be in the show notes, but it's just at Chase the Summit on Instagram. And uh, stay tuned to my stories because I do it every time I have a podcast. So uh, you can also, if you don't have an Instagram, Instagram account or whatever, you can also just send me an email using the contact form at chasethesummit.com. Head over to chasethesummit.com and click contact and then fill that out and send me a message. And can be a question, can just be saying hi, telling me that you hate my podcast. I would prefer if you don't do that. But if you have to, feel feel free. Okay, <laughs> with that out of the way, let's dive into the first question this week. Fit Gear Hunter. He's a no, another YouTuber, by the way. Go, go check out Fit Gear Hunter's channel. Uh, he asks, do you use training readiness as a guide for how you approach your daily workouts? So training readiness is a feature specific to Garmin watches. And what that is, is it's a culmination of a bunch of different metrics. They take your sleep tracking, your body battery, your HRV status, and they kind of aggregate all of this data to give you an idea of how ready you are to, to take on more training. And to answer your question, yes, I, I really, really like training readiness. And I find that it, it really reflects how I feel most days. Like I, nothing is the Bible for me. I'm not going to I'm not going to put all my eggs in an electronic device and, tr- and trust it to let me know when I should be training and when I shouldn't be training. Because a lot of times, you know, if I have a couple of cocktails the night before, training readiness is going to tell me not to go for my run. Um, but I still will. So I, at the end of the day, I still trust my gut, my perceived feeling, how well I feel over any electronic device. But I will say training readiness is super cool. And it's a metric I really enjoy using. Hope that's helpful. Uh, next question comes from Paul Powell Z. What do you think about the Wahoo, Santu, Polar, and smaller manufacturers? Are they going to, are they closing in? So you're asking some of the smaller manufacturers, are they, are they getting closer to like the big ones like Garmin and Apple? I think, I think in some ways they are. Um, I do have some concern for some of the brands out there specifically like Sunto, uh, they, they were regarded as one of the best, you know, years ago when you know, GPS watches were first starting to iterate and get a little bit better. Sunto is really at the forefront for the good battery life, accuracy, good looking devices and reliability. However, recently they felt like they've kind of been slipping back a little bit you know, just recently they had the Sunto 9 Peak Pro come out, which I do have a review unit for, and I'll have a video about that eventually. Um, but, you know, even that watch, it did make a couple of steps in the right direction, but it didn't make any huge leaps that I was hoping for. You know, it would be really cool to see Sunto just, you know, drop a bomb of really, you know, innovative stuff, an OLED display, maybe full mapping capabilities, because that's kind of their forte is being like mountain watches. Um, and if they could crack that code and, you know, really challenge something like a Garmin Epix Gen 2, I think they, it could turn them around. But I do have a little bit of concern. The same could be said for Polar in a lot of ways. Um, they really haven't changed their user interface or software or, or the back end with Polar Flow. Um, there's a lot of things I wish they would, you know, innovate and just push the boundaries a little bit more. Uh, because as they iterate, as they bring new devices out, the new devices feel a lot like their old devices. So, you know, it, 
it's like anything. You know, early days of cell phones, uh, every iteration was a huge leap, right? And then it started to slow down as we started to approach the boundaries of that technology. And I think we're starting to see that with fitness watches as well. You know, the huge leaps aren't happening as much anymore. You've got good GPS accuracy on just about every watch out there. Heart rate sensors are getting better. Um, but I think there needs to be more focus on the software, the user experience. And I think a big focus, a big shift, I'm probably going to go off on a tangent here, is that these brands need to focus more on providing more usable data. You know, the end user doesn't want to have to be a professional coach in order to understand what their watch is trying to tell them. I think these brands really need to, like what Garmin's doing with training readiness, they they take all that data, they take all the numbers, they crunch it for you, and then they spit out digestible information. Like, hey, don't run today. You're not, your training readiness is low. Um, but a lot of these companies are just like, here's your you know, heart rate variability, and here's your max and min heart rate. And people don't know what to do with that information. I'd really like to see a big shift in how that's displayed. And I think that's a good opportunity for someone like Polar because they've got a good history in that. Um, just making, you know, making the information a little bit better. Sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> uh, next one. Let's see. We've got another question from Paul Z. That's pretty similar. Uh, we've got Brains Q Wish D. He says, Yippee, where have you been? So I kind of answered that in the intro of this podcast. I've been a little distracted with moving and my real job and stuff, but I'm back, baby. I've got, um, got a lot planned for YouTube and for this podcast. So stay tuned. Thanks for the question or statement. Runner King, runner Kingling, uh, Garmin Enduro two versus Vertex three. Uh, I don't think there is a Vertex three yet, so I can't answer that for you. <laughs> Next question, Andrew ARW, is the Ultra is the Apple Watch Ultra something you'd recommend for for a lifelong Garmin user? 955 currently. So you have a Garmin 400 955 and you're considering the Apple Watch Ultra. Uh yes and no. It depends what you everything, you know, I hate saying it depends, but it really does. If you if if your experience with the Garmin 400 955 that you currently own is leaving you it lacking in terms of like smartwatch functionality. If you really want to make phone calls from your watch, if you really want a cellular connection on your watch, so you don't need to bring your phone everywhere with you. Yeah. The Apple watch ultra is the best in terms of smartwatch functionality. Now, when it comes to being a sport watch for mapping and navigation, for tracking your activities, for general wellness information about your sleep, your training readiness, your body battery, the out-of-the-box experience with the 955 is leaps leaps and bounds better than the Apple Watch Ultra. Because out of the box, the Apple Watch Ultra really doesn't provide a lot of actionable a lot of actionable information about your wellness. The workout app is okay, uh, but it could be a little bit better. And it doesn't give you really any form of proper navigation other than the compass app, which is kind of lacking. Uh, that said, you can download apps and all kinds of different things to make the Apple Watch Ultra a better sport watch. But even when you do that, even if you spend money and subscriptions and everything, I still find the experience as a sport watch better with a Garmin. So 
it comes down to what you need. Do you want a smartwatch or do you want a sport watch? And unfortunately, right now, you still have to make that decision because the Apple Watch Ultra, even though it's become a lot better than the older versions in terms of battery life, it still doesn't have great battery life. You charge it, you know, every other day, every two days, every three days, maybe if you if you don't use it a lot, there's still that limitation where with a Garmin, you know, you can go a couple of weeks on a single charge. So it really comes down to what you need, what you want out of your wearable. I hope that was helpful. Uh, next question. Hello, 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 flow. <laughs> Biggest tech expectations for 2023? Ooh, that's a broad question. Biggest tech expectations for 2023 and biggest sports and outdoor anything for 2023. Wow. Biggest tech expectations for 2023. I guess if we're talking outside the world of fitness tech and running and stuff, uh, I'm going to go with the new MacBook Pro, the M2 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's kind of a nerdy answer, but... I'm recording this on the, the M1 Max or M1, yeah, the M1 Max 16-inch MacBook Pro. I love this laptop, but, you know, I'll take all the horsepower I can get. And I have high hopes that Apple's going to, you know, do something crazy with the next iteration of that. And then in terms of the sports tech for 2023, hmm. Okay, I'll go with uh, Garmin, adding, Garmin adding LTE cellular functionality to... Um, their, their high-end watches. So like calling and texting capabilities to the Phoenix 7 and the Epics, maybe with a, a new version called the, the Epics Plus and Phoenix Plus or something like that. I would like to see that because that is really one of the biggest selling points for the Apple Watch Ultra and why people will buy that over a Garmin. And if Garmin could implement something like that, it would be really cool. Now, interesting side note, if you've been following Garmin News, they actually released a kid's watch. This should be in the new segment. Uh, but they released a kid's, kid's watch called the Garmin Bounce. Yeah, the Bounce, like bouncy ball. And I, I'm actually very interested in it for my older kid. He has a, a Gizmo Gadget LG watch that's kind of outdated. Um, but this Garmin watch, the really interesting feature about it is not just the watch, but it's the fact that Garmin is rolling out an LTE infrastructure for phone calls and text messaging on this kid's watch that'll cost $10 a month. And it's not tied to any carrier like AT&T or Verizon or whatever. It's their own independent thing uh, that you, you know, sign up through their website. And the fact that that exists on a kid's watch has me thinking that they're probably planning on rolling it out to other devices. Specifically, I bet we'll see it first in something like the venue, and then it'll probably bump up to, you know, everything after that. But yeah, pretty cool. Um, but that's probably where I want to see the biggest, you know, leap in terms of fitness tech in 2023 is more cellular connectivity. Next question from Maximal D. Clef. I hope I said that right. Is your daily driver still the 400 955 or did you switch to the Apple Watch Ultra? Um, I still mainly wear Garmin, but it's, you know, I, I hate saying it's my favorite or my daily driver or whatever. I wear Garmin because I've got so much historical data in the Connect platform that I hate, hate giving that up. So in the Garmin platform, uh, specifically with like the 955, you've got HRV status and training readiness. And to get those to work, you have to wear the watch for three weeks, which is a long time. So when I stop wearing it, 
I start to lose that data and that bugs me because I'm kind of OCD and want to keep all my data. Uh, so I end up going back to it. So yeah, right now, the 955, actually the Instinct crossover is on my wrist right now, but that's only because I'm testing it. Um, the 955 is mainly on my wrist, but I, I will say I really like the Apple Watch Ultra. There, there's nothing wrong with it, and it's a really solid option. Hope that's helpful. Uh, next question comes from Hankster Rods. What's your biggest struggle as a dad and runner? Yeah, <laughs> great, great question. A hundred percent, I'm going to say time management. Um, you know, most days it's, it's really hard just to walk through my schedule. You know, I hate, hate to complain on bitch about my life on this podcast, but you know, where else am I going to do it? Uh, my, our daily schedule in this house goes something like this. My wife wakes up at like four o'clock in the morning to get her run in her workout in with her friends. Uh, she'll either work out in the basement on the treadmill or, um, do yoga or whatever. And then I'll wake up with the kids typically around, uh, six 30, maybe six, maybe five 30. If the kids wake up early, um, I, I make them breakfast. I help them get ready for the day. I pack their lunches and everything. And then I help, uh, get two of the kids in the minivan with my wife. And then I walk my other kids to the bus stop, which is like, I don't know, eighth of a mile, maybe quarter of a mile away from our house. So we have to walk there every morning. After that, I go to work. And then when I get home from work, that's kind of my time to get my run in. However, it's usually mixed with craziness going on in the house. So it's hard for me to just say, I'm putting my shoes on and going for my run. Uh, instead I have to like help make dinner or maybe the baby's crying or someone doesn't feel good. There's always something going on. And now with the new house, there's like projects, hang up pictures or (laughs) you know, they the blinds are broke. I don't know. There's a lot going on. So typically I'll end up running on the treadmill or running in the dark, uh, way later than I want to. And it's not great, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's what I have to do. And single-handedly, that is the biggest struggle of being a dad. Um, you know, it used to be easier. I think, I think two kids is probably the sweet spot for time management. You know, you can kind of, you can kind of figure it out. But once you have three or four kids like we do, it it really multiplies how hard everything gets. And I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. So yeah, uh, being a dad is tough, but it's rewarding. So I'm not trying to complain about it. I'm just trying to explain the struggle <laughs> struggles. And I'm sure all the dads and moms out there can can understand where I'm coming from here. Next question, Colorado, Colorado Wild. He asks, uh, what's your favorite trail running snack for long days out? I am a simple man when it comes to trail running snacks. I, I like cliff bars. I'm not going to lie. You know, they're very, it's like the uh, quintessential trail running thing, but the white chocolate macadamia cliff bars, man, they just hit the spot after a long day out. Uh, another, another clutch, probably more higher rated in my mind than cliff bars. It's going to be gummy worms, gummy worms, baby. <laughs> if you're, so if you're a trail runner or a hiker in the winter up here, it gets super cold out and I, it's, it's a weird thing that I like, but what I do is I put my gummy worms on the outside of my jacket, like in my outside pocket. So they freeze frozen gummy worms really hit the spot on a long winter hike. I don't know why. 
the next question from Colorado Wild is how to manage running in the gym as not to turn into a string bean, as my girlfriend calls it. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I guess the way to not turn into a string bean is to eat a lot. I don't know. I, in, I, I genetically, like personally, genetically, I can't be a string bean. I look like I work out a lot more than I do. Uh, and I guess I'm lucky in that way, but yeah, I, I would say just eat a lot, focus on your diet, you know, and maybe don't, again, I'm not a nutritionist or a coach or anything. This is just me rambling on, but if you're going to eat a lot, I would focus on quality, you know, high protein, uh, not tons of sugars and stuff like that, maybe, and see if you can bulk up. It's kind of a, you know, I hate when people say, are oh, you going to get a runner's body? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Runners are all shapes and sizes, you know? And yeah, maybe like the top elite runners at the Boston Marathon, first and second place, maybe they're extremely skinny and tall. Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be that way because you're probably not placing first or second at the Boston Marathon. Those people are running hundreds of miles a week, 200 mile weeks, you know, like uh, Iliad Kipchoge, I think he said he runs between 125 and 150 miles a week. Most people aren't doing that. And even if you do that and eat a lot, <laughs> you could probably avoid being a string bean. But being a string bean is an advantage for those people who are competing at the highest level. They're carrying less weight. They're more aer aerodynamic. They're faster. So, you know, I guess if, if it's an image thing, if you want to look a certain way, you could probably get around that with diet and probably just do the bare minimum in terms of terms of like gym workouts, do some curls and, you know, basic body weight exercises like push-ups and pull-ups and things like that. And you're probably not look like a string bean. That's the most I can help you there. Next question comes from the same person, Colorado Wild. Thanks for all these questions, by the way. Should I skip mar should I skip a marathon and do a 50k instead? Um I can only speak from my experience on that. I would 100% rather run a 50K than a, than a road marathon. So it really comes down to, I would say it comes down to the event. If the marathon is like regarded as a super fun thing to do in your neck of the woods, then maybe do that. But like, I think the community and vibe and overall fun of a 50K is probably funner than a marathon but it really depends on your goals. If you want to run a fast marathon, maybe get a PR, uh, you know, try that. If you, if you want to go out for a fun day in the woods on trails and meet some interesting people, probably have some conversation. I would say try the 50 K it's a different vibe, you know, just it, it really comes down to, to what you want to get out of it. What kind of fun you want to have. So, yeah. Next question. Do you still wear the Apple watch ultra daily? I already answered this one. Um, yes and no. Some days I do. Some days I don't. Next question is feel the need. Tell us about your worst race injury. Ooh, worst race injury. So my worst injury didn't actually happen at a race. I was, uh, I was out on a solo hike. It wasn't even a trail run really. So it was in the, the middle of the winter. Uh, I believe it was January. Very cold day. No uh, digits well below zero Fahrenheit. So whatever that is in Celsius, um, brutally cold. 
hiking up a mountain in the White Mountains of New Hampshire called Mount Moriah. Uh, I was alone. Uh, it was actually a weekday. I broke all the rules. I didn't really tell anyone where I was going, what I was doing. I had told my wife that I was going for a hike. Didn't really tell her where. Um, and then I decided to hike Mount Moriah. So I'm on the trail, the Carter Moriah Trail to be exact, uh, a couple of miles in. And it's super icy and my footing wasn't great. So I put on uh, micro spikes. Those are metal spikes you put on your boots or shoes to gain traction. And so I'm, I'm making my way up the mountain, but these micro spikes were really not putting a dent in how slippery the trail was. And right at the summit, I was like, I don't know, probably a eighth of a mile from the summit when I slipped and dislocated my knee in such a painful way. My knee completely twisted sideways. There was a huge pop and uh, it was extremely painful. I could not put any weight on it. So here I am. I forget how far this hike is. It's like eight miles round trip. So I was four miles into a eight mile hike, halfway up a mountain in well below zero conditions, freezing cold with no one there to help me, no cell phone signal and uh, didn't tell anyone where I was. So <laughs> kind of a bad situation. So the actual injury turned out to be um, that I broke a piece of my meniscus in my kneecap when I dislocated it, which ended up requiring surgery down the road. Um, they had to go in and kind of fish out the little piece of bone and stuff. And it really sucked. But the scary part of it was really getting back to my car after that happened. <laughs> I actually slid on my butt on for, for four miles or whatever. I, for, I think it was like three or four miles. I slid on my butt down an icy trail you know, on the rocks and roots and snow, uh, for, for, yeah, like three and a half miles. I was super cold. Uh, I did have a satellite, uh, PLB, you know, personal location beacon on me that, that I could have used. I thought about it. I didn't do it. I self-rescued because I was too embarrassed to, uh, to do that. But yeah, that was probably my worst my worst uh, running injury because it stopped me from running for a really long time after that. And even to this day, it still, you know, barks at me sometimes if I'm in a really heavy training block, I'm doing 50 or 60 miles a week, I'll start to feel that soreness in that area. Fortunately, it hasn't really bothered me since though. So yeah, that's, I guess it's not like a specific running, running injury, but that's one that stands, stands out in my mind. The next question comes from Christos KR. He says, no Sun 9 Peak Pro review? Question <laughs> mark. So that is in the works. Like I said earlier, I've got one. Uh, I've been testing it. It's cool. It's different. It's definitely a step in the right direction for Sunto. But no review yet. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel. It is coming, I promise. I'm just catching back up with all this stuff. And the final question for this podcast is from... Miguel Vir, Miguiver, I don't know. I can't pronounce it. How did, how did you get into running originally? Uh, this is kind of a fun story. So I started running probably 10, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. Something like that. I was dating my wife at the time. We were living together in a condo and, um, I, I was kind of a gym guy. So I would go to the gym and lift heavy weights and I was kind of heavy. I was heavy set at the time. 
but it's mainly because I was focused on being as big as I could, big as and strong as I could be. So for contacts, I'm like five foot seven on a good day. <laughs> and at the time, back then, I weighed like 205 pounds, which is pretty heavy for a man of my stature. For for reference, right now I'm about 150 pounds. So I was like 55 pounds heavier than I am right now. One day I was just like, you know, I was gasping to go up a flight of stairs. Um, I felt heavier than I should be. And I made the conscious decision in my head to just start getting into cardio. So I went on Amazon or some running store website and I ordered a pair of running shoes. And when they showed up in the mail, my wife actually laughed at me and she's like, what are you going to do with those? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start running. Uh, you know, she was supportive, but it was kind of a joke that like I ordered the stuff that I probably had no intent on using. Anyways, fast forward to today. I don't know. I've run a lot of 50 Ks, 50 milers, hundred milers, and it's been kind of a, uh, yeah, snowball effect since then. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know what caused me to get into running or why I liked it. It was kind of, um, the trail running perspective that really drew me to it. The kind of Zen state you get into, it's kind of like meditation when you hit that flow state on the trails and the weather's right and all you're focusing in on is your next, you know, foot strike hitting the ground and where it's going to be and to avoid that rock. And, Oh, look at that. That's pretty. And it's just like all those things. Uh, it really just unplugs my mind from the craziness of life and allows me to kind of go Zen for a minute. So that's, that's how I got into running, why I got into it. There's probably a longer story than that, but I'm not going to bore you with it. So that's all the questions I have for this week. I want to just thank everybody that wrote questions in. I really appreciate it. And I hope this is a fun part of the podcast and it's not something you get bored of. Uh, with that said, thank you for listening to this podcast. I do want to mention one more thing I forgot to mention at the beginning. Uh, there is a discount code live right now at the merch store, at the Chase to Summit merch store. Go over to chasethesummit.com slash shop or just chase the summit and click shop and use discount code LISTEN10, L-I-S-T-E-N-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your whole order. And this is, this is only a discount for listeners of this podcast. If you made it this far into the podcast, you probably enjoyed it. Uh, and this is just a nice way to get some Chase the Summit merch if you're interested. We've got the uh, Ridgeline Trucker hat in stock. We've got all of the neck gaiters and t-shirts and sweatshirts. Go check out the merch store. Get 10% off. Wear it with pride. Tag me on Instagram if you decide to get one. That'd be cool. And yeah, hope you enjoy it. One more time, I do want to thank the YouTube members and Patreon members that make this podcast work. I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate the contributions that you've been giving me every month. And it allows me to keep this microphone turned on. And with that, we have reached the end of the podcast. I'm going to get this show back on a regular cadence. So you should hear from me again next week and the week after that and so on and so forth. Uh, again, follow along on YouTube. Lots of videos coming up. And I will have a Black Friday live stream coming on Friday that you, yes, you cannot miss. Make sure to go over to the YouTube channel, subscribe and click reminder on that that live stream. I'll try to get the stream up today so you can actually get reminded. Haven't done it yet. I've got too many things to do. Too many things on my plate. Oh my goodness. All right, friends. 
I'm going to leave it with that. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, make sure to give me a five-star rating on your podcast platform. If it's Spotify, five stars. If it's Apple Podcast, five stars. And on Apple, you can actually leave a comment and say what you like about the podcast so other people can read it and maybe learn something about it. And that goes a long way with the algorithms and listeners and stuff like that. Okay, I'm going to go now. I've got a lot of things to do, including cleaning up this attic I'm sitting in. Okay, friends, I'll see you next time. Bye.